0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. We really are. We're going at a pretty good pace. We're doing this together in here. We're, we're doing it with our children, our youth. We also have uh, ladies and men's Bible studies. We're just going through John together. So this morning, if you would open your Bible to John chapter 11... John chapter 11 is a massive chapter to cover, so we're going to only cover part of it. We're going to look at John chapter 11 together today and uh, find out what the, what the Lord wants to say to us. In John chapter 11, what I want you to know is what happens in this chapter caused the Jewish leaders to literally put a hit out on Jesus. What takes place here riled them up to another level, another degree, Listen to what John writes about this. He says, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And then it goes a little further in chapter 11. It says, and the religious leaders had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was, that they should absolutely report it, that it was going to be their responsibility to let them know. This, uh, This occurs in John chapter 11. It occurs about 10 days before Jesus goes to the cross. Uh, So these folks were serious about what they were up to. And so what happens here is important for us to pay attention to. You ask yourself, what in the world did Jesus do? I mean, what did he do to cause this kind of rancor, this kind of hatred? Did he violate the Ten Commandments? Because that's really the first thing that I would think about is that he violated the Ten Commandments, that that, that he committed adultery or he stole or he lied or maybe he murdered someone. Uh, That's none of the above. He didn't do any of that. What he did in this chapter was he raised a dead man from the grave. That's what he did. That's what he did. He, he conquered death in this chapter. He brought a dead man back to life. And what was their response? Their response was kill him. Kill Jesus for what he's done. Now, for the sake of time this morning, what happened before this miracle of resurrection, <clears throat> or the prelude to resurrection, was the great physician's patient dies. You rarely hear, rarely hear that, do you? The great physician's his patient died. In verses 1 through 16, it tells us this. It's a, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that leaves a, a family and a community shaken to the core. And then you have to think, why did this man named Lazarus die? You see, Jesus was asked to come, but Jesus delayed. He didn't come. He didn't come right away. And so Lazarus went from being sick to dying. And then you have to ask another question. How did that happen and why did that happen? Was it because that Jesus didn't care? Was he not concerned? No. The Bible tells us here that this is the one Jesus loved. It says that. It's very clear. Uh, Lazarus was someone Jesus loved. His love was not the question here. His love is never a question. His love is never a question in your life. It's never a question in the life of Lazarus. He loves you, and he has an unshakable and a sure love for all of you, for all of us. And that's something that we stand firm in. That's something that anchors us because tragedy does confront us, because difficult times do come. And what we need to know is we are anchored somewhere, that we're not just drifting in the wind. That we're not left up to the whims of this world or the circumstances of life. But what we understand is we are anchored in his love, his love for us. And we experience probably more profoundly when we're broken and sick, just like this family. So why then? Why did this happen? Well, it tells us in verse 4 of chapter 11, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. This is the reason this story that we are looking at today happen. So what we see is death, just keep in mind, Jesus uses to set us up for life. What we think is terminal, what we think is final, Jesus sees as opportunity for life. And the greatest news that we've ever heard is Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. The greatest news that can fall on the ears of men and women. And he goes on to include you and me. And he does so by saying, "He who believes in me, though physically he dies, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die." Now, here it is. <laughs> the all-important question, the question that's left in the air for all of us to answer, do you believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? So I want to read the whole passage from verse 17 to 32 because This is where the resurrection became very personal. It became very real. This is about the resurrection and the people Jesus loves. This is what it says, beginning at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha, Jesus said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they physically die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now I want you to notice a few things here. I want you to notice first of all, Who is the first person that interacts with Jesus? It's Martha. So you have Jesus and Martha. They're going one-on-one with each other. They're having this conversation, a brief conversation, but influenced her life. Now, this is after Lazarus had been dead for four days. Notice what John does. In our study of John, he's very particular when it comes to to time, when it comes to what's happening in in, in geography. He, He lets you know. He tells you he's two miles or less than two miles away in Bethany to Jerusalem. And now he says four days. And so why does he say that? Why does he let us know that four days had passed? The reason he lets us know is because during that time, the time of Jesus, there was a Jewish custom that believe this, they believe that the spirit of the departed would hover over the body for three days looking for opportunity to reenter and come back to life again. But on the fourth day, all bets are off. (laughs) Uh, On the fourth day, you are dead as dead can be. And so what happens here, Jesus shows up on the fourth day to make sure that we understand a miracle is about to happen, to make sure that we understand that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He gives us this time frame. And now look at Martha's sorrow. I want you to look at her struggle. The reason I do is because it's common to all of us, but so personal when it's me. You ever notice that? How personal struggles are, how uh, how personal sorrow is. And just like us, she pours out unfiltered what's on her mind. She says to Jesus, if you would have been here, if you had only been here, now I don't know if you pick it up I I have a little hint here when I read these words I have a hint of probably a little anger sure a little blame is going on here if you would have been here if you would have been here there's all of this it's what we do when we when we grieve it's what we do when we're going through a difficult time we we say things maybe we don't always mean you know we say things like this and And so we can see this, we hear this, we feel it. Also notice how Martha limits Jesus to time and space. I think think this is interesting. She's saying basically four days ago, you could have done something. Four days ago, you could have done something, but now it's way too late. It's way too late. Listen again what she says, if you had been here. You know what this statement uh, uh, assumes that jesus had to be present that he couldn't do a long distance miracle and yet he had done it before he had performed a long distance miracle in john chapter four remember the nobleman's son he just spoke and the nobleman's son was healed <laughs> so jesus isn't constrained by time or space but in her grief her sorrow she's not feeling it she's not seeing it we we really struggle when we grieve i think for Annette and I, this past year, has been full of grief, um, full of grief of family members passing. Like Martha, I think I caught myself a few times saying, yeah, where were you, Lord? Yeah, you don't want to say it out loud altogether, but, but you think it. Where, where were you, Lord? And then Jesus speaks to Martha, and he says, your brother will rise again. He didn't say, I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe that you're doubting me. I can't believe you don't have enough faith. What does he say? He says, your brother will rise again. You see, Jesus took this opportunity to reveal more of himself because he goes on and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Because he wasn't deterred by her grief. He kept leaning in. Listen, God can handle your honesty. He can handle your straightforwardness. He can handle your anger. He can handle your poor humor. He can handle all those things. It doesn't put God off. Read the Psalms. Read where David says things that almost make you cringe when he's talking to God. God is unshockable. Just, just remember that. When you go to talk to him, he doesn't get shocked. By the way, he's not really impressed by your great prayers either. So it works both ways. He's just He's really not. But he's listening. And he's paying attention. He, he cares for what you're going through and what's happening in your life. And then you look a little further at the next person that Jesus interacts with. Because these are people he loves. And so he has this conversation with Martha. But then in verses 28 through 32, you see and here's something a little different from Mary. It's the other sister of Lazarus. It's Martha's sister as well. And, and there's something that happens here because you've got to look at the invitation and her submission. How does Mary respond to the grief? How does she respond to the pain that she's experiencing? Uh, I, I love these words, by the way, and I hope they capture your heart today as well. Because in verses 28 and 29, Martha says to Mary, listen to this. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. teacher is here and he's asking for you now what i would like you to do is just put everything else aside and just for a moment imagine you're in this room by yourself no one else around and you hear this jesus is here and he's here for you because that's what he's saying to us today the teacher's in the room the Savior's in the room, and he's asking for you by name. That, that's the time that we sink into an intimate relationship. That's the time where healing happens. That's the time where our identity in Jesus is developed. It's, it's responding to that invitation. You see, with every invitation, there is a necessary response. question is, what would you do? What would you do if you were invited to be in the presence of Jesus? It says, Mary heard this, I love it, and she got up quickly and she went to him. Body language says a lot about what we do and who we are. Here, she didn't pause, she didn't wait. There are other patriarchs and matriarchs in scripture that responded this way. There are others that responded slowly. But she responds quickly, and I think of the scripture where it says, and Abraham got up early in the morning, and he did what God told him to do. It says right here that Mary was in a hurry to be obedient to the invitation. She responded immediately. She went. She took after him. Mary actually says the same thing that Martha says. You notice that? I mean, the same thing. She said, if you would have been here, But I want you to notice her posture and her perspective. That's totally different, which actually communicates a different attitude. Mary has a different attitude than Martha because what we see here is that her posture and perspective, she was down on her knees and she was looking up. That's different. Listen, where you place yourself in relationship to Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world as to what you're going to receive. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep of his hand. The closer we are, it all has to do with proximity. It does. It has to do with proximity. And here, Mary is saying, I just want to be close. And so what is the first thing she does? She falls on her knees. And by the way, this is consistent in her life because Mary kneels before Jesus, probably more than anyone else we read in the Gospels, and she kneels before Jesus both in sorrow and in joy. She just kneels. She gets to Jesus, and she just drops to her knees. See, Mary experienced the same event, but from a different vantage point from her knees and through tear-filled eyes. I I think when I read this, it reminds me that this is what submission looks like. This this is what it looks like. Submission isn't haughty. Submission isn't a place where we say, yeah, he, he really deserves me. And I'm the greatest gift that God has ever been given? She doesn't do that. She just submits. See, the resurrection and the people Jesus loves includes Martha, includes Mary, and then it comes down to Jesus and you because it is definitely stated here. That Jesus is talking to you, that he's giving an invitation to you. It's very important when you read verses 25 and 26, very important word. It's found in verse 26. If you look there, it says, I hope you see it. It says, whoever, whoever lives and believes, that's it. That's it right there. That, that's where you find it. it. It comes down to two things. It comes down to opportunity and choice. It's your opportunity. It's your choice. It comes right down to this. Whoever believes. Whoever's hearing this here, whoever's hearing this over our social media platforms, whoever hears this down the road, whoever hears this, it's whoever. Whoever. That's unconditional. Keep this in mind. It's unconditional without the boundaries of time, of ethnicity, of gender. Listen, to Jesus, whoever means whoever. is whoever. So if you've ever felt excluded or felt on the outskirts looking in, take heart because Jesus says to you, whoever, you are a whoever. I am a whoever. There's no boundaries to that. There's no limits to that. This is never a whoever but. It's not from Jesus that way. Uh, Jesus doesn't do that, but we might. That's something I, I think, We might do. You see, when we change the meaning and application of whoever, we change the gospel. When you live out the gospel in another way, where there's a qualification to the whoever Jesus is speaking of here, then you've changed the essence, the power, and the influence of the gospel. Because when Jesus says whoever, he means whoever. I had someone pull me aside a few years back and, uh, they were a little concerned about a, a certain kind of group that might attend our church, and, and, uh, and they pulled me aside, and they said, well, listen, I want you to know this. I don't care if they attend our church, but they better do this, 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 and this. I looked at that person. I said, you don't even do this, 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 and this. Why are you asking them to do that? Does that sound like a whoever but to you? It does to me. That is not the way Jesus approaches us. It is whoever, and he means whoever. Wow. Remember that the resurrection is more than an event. As you go today, would you remember that the resurrection of Lazarus is more than an event? The resurrection of Jesus is more than an event. It is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, the resurrection is Jesus Christ. And the question is, Do you believe this? Bow your head with me, would you? Father, this question stands in eternity and in time, relevant yesterday, today, relevant forever. Do we believe this? You always always bring it here. Yes, this is an interaction between Martha we can learn from. It's an interaction with Mary that we certainly learn from. But it's also an interaction with us personally. That you didn't restrict your kingdom. You didn't restrict your salvation. But you opened it up to whoever. Whoever comes, let them come. Whoever will pick up the invitation. It's their opportunity. It's their choice. Father, we thank you for that. That we stand in the light of a person that is the resurrection and the life. Today we find hope even when we grieve. We find hope in joy and in sorrow. We find hope because of the resurrection. You are that resurrection. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if um, if you're you're wanting to respond to that, because it is personal, very personal, Jesus is talking to you right now. He's asking you, do you believe? See, there's, there's, there's no gray area here. There really isn't. There's, there's nothing gray about, about that question. Do you believe? And I, I'm, I'm going to ask this. If you haven't believed and you want to believe, you're answering, yes, I want to believe. Just where you are, your head's bowed, eyes closed, lift up your hand, and I want to pray for you because this is a question to you. If you're online, the same hold true, the same thing. The Bible says, when I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm answering the question, yes, I believe. Today, the reality of the resurrection is yours. And for all your loved ones, is the same. For all those that wander and stray and we think are lost causes, we sometimes put a whoever but on those people. But Jesus doesn't. He leaves it open. Whoever will come, let them come. Father, we want to thank you today for your goodness, your greatness in our lives. You're beautiful. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby4square.com.